Good morning, church, and I'm on. Woohoo! Good morning, church. How are you all doing this morning? Okay, we have gone to, to live in-person services. There are people in the building, I promise. How are you guys doing this morning? There's Patty. It's good to see you guys. Hey, um, my name is Kendrick Neal, and I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church, and we are just a church that is just committed to making disciples in our community. And we talk about disciples just being somebody who loves God and lives like Jesus and helps others do the same. So um, we are glad that you are here uh, this morning in person with us. We're glad that you are watching online with us. But before we get into the service, we did have some uh, one announcement I just want to make. May 30th, so the, the, this month, we're already in this month. This month, we are having a youth team from Arizona that we're going to host. I believe it's about three churches, and there's going to be about 50 youth that are going to be here for a week, and they're going to help us do whatever maintenance we want. Now, that's kind of a little bit of a lie, because their team leader came out, and we talked about what we were going to do. And so we have a plan, but we're going to paint all of the upstairs. We're going to replace some lights. We're going to do some landscaping, so painting, landscaping, putting in new carpet in the youth rooms upstairs. Um, we've got a lot of work to do, but here's the deal. We need a couple bucks to do it. So we're going to be just raising money this month. If you go online, you'll see on the online giving, it says special mission, and that's what it's talking about. Our goal so when we get all that done, if we could get about $4,500, we think we can do all of that work. So that's carpet, that's the whole upstairs painted, that's uh, the lights uh, replaced and fixed upstairs, it's all of the landscaping done, and so that's going to be our goal for the next month. Um, and just be praying for them. Today, May 2nd, is the deadline for them to have their deposits to come, and the last count we had was 50 youth there's going to be about 15 adults, so they're going to be staying here on campus. So if you are in some of the midweek things, um, from May 30th to June 4th, um, we're going to close down all of the uh, midweek activities that are at the church just so um, they can do what they need to be doing here. So make a note of that, but be praying for them from Arizona, and you'll get to see them on June 2nd. This is kind of exciting. We're going to host them. And we're going to do dinner for all of them here at the church, and then we're just going to have a night of worship. And just uh, our worship team is going to connect with them and just lead a time of worship for uh, all the youth from Arizona. So just be praying for that and for that trip as they are making their plans to come and just, uh, just be a blessing to us. So we'll continue to be praying for them. That was my announcement. It's good morning. I am ready to dive Back into our study of Acts. This is something that we have been looking at now. We've been looking at Luke, and now we're going through Acts. So I want to encourage you to, to grab your Bibles. Go ahead and flip. We're going to be in Acts. We're going to be in chapter 8 today. So as I'm talking, as you mark chapter 8, you also might want to flip to Isaiah. We're going to be in Isaiah a lot today. So maybe if you just put a bookmark or your hand or hold that, we're going to be bouncing around between Acts and Isaiah as we study today, as we continue to walk through what it means to be a witness for the gospel. These last several weeks, we've been talking about the different things that a witness is. The first, we start off with just a witness is empowered. A witness is empowered by God. And then we talk about a witness for the gospel is in community. It's in community with other believers. And God uses uh, those that are in community for his glory. And then last week, we talked about that a witness is faithful. This week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about how um, witnesses... I just 
it's not even in here. I did not put what we're going to be talking about, but I'm just kidding. We're going to be talking about how witnesses are led by the Spirit. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about how witnesses are led by the Spirit. You go again to chapter 8. We're going to learn what it means to be a witness led by the Spirit. How do we know if we are a witness that is led by the Spirit? Oftentimes, we hear that term, and we're really not sure what it means. Sometimes we hear that term, and we're not sure if we're doing it or not. We're just saying, oh yeah, that's something I'm familiar with. So today we're going to really be looking at what it means to be led by, uh, led by the Spirit. If you don't have any reference points, if you don't have things to, to reference your life to see if you're being led by the Spirit, those are probably some things you should put into place. Those are some things that you should look at. I'm going to be really, really honest with you. One of the greatest inventions ever invented is the map for your cell phones, Right? Gone are the days where you actually have to know where you're going. You could just take your cell phone, put an address in there, and there's this purple little line that will tell you exactly how to get there. There wasn't that long ago. Um, in my family, I completely trust the purple line. The purple line can do no wrong. Melissa questions the purple line every chance she gets. And she's like, I don't, I don't know if this is the fastest way, there's a better way. I have no idea. I just trust the purple line. I have complete faith. And when she says, what's the fastest way to get there? I just go to the purple line. The purple line knows. And so the, not too long ago, actually, um, she gave me the address. I put it in my phone. I was to meet her at an address. And I put it in my phone. I get in my car. I plug it into my car. My car says, do you want to continue your route, continue your destination? I said yes. And I followed the purple line. And I'm driving. It was probably about 20 minutes later. Melissa gives me a call and says, where are you? I don't know. I'm on the purple line. She said, when are you going to be here? And I said, well, the thing says I'm going to be there in 30 minutes. You're, we're like 10 minutes away from the house. You've been gone 30 minutes, and you're going to be 30 minutes. Where are you? I said, I think I'm on the 101. Why are you on the 101? We're going like one neighborhood over. And it was at that point that I learned that the default apps menu in my phone is not the same as the one in my car. So when it said, do you want to continue this destination? And I said, yes, I was going somewhere I went like three weeks before and was way off track. And if I would have just stopped just for a minute and just thought about it, I would have said, why am I getting on the freeway? There was a really good song on the radio. I was just singing. I was cruising. I was having a great time, and I was nowhere where I thought I would be. Unfortunately, if we're not paying attention in life, we could be doing that in life. We can just be cruising around. We're not paying attention. And we can be somewhere and look around and say, why would Jesus take me here? And a lot of times, Jesus didn't take you there. Right? You're on your own plan. You're not paying attention. So today, we're going to be looking at that. And I know that some of you, because I know you guys, don't act like you haven't, but I know some of you have been in that same exact spot where you're like, why did Jesus get me here? Well, he didn't. But today we're going to be looking at mile markers. We're going to be looking at reference markers. So we know that as witnesses for the Spirit, we know if we're actually being led by the Spirit. We need to look around and see if those indicators that we see around us are actually indicators that we are being led by the Spirit. Are we really following God? And in this passage we're going to look at today, we're going to look at one of the early witnesses. We're going to look at Philip. If you guys will remember, Philip's ministry began, he, he was a deacon. And after six, Acts 6.5, 6, we see that Philip was one of the original deacons. He was humbly serving the widows in the Jerusalem church. 
However, when persecution came to the church in Jerusalem, we saw that Philip's ministry changed. We actually see that Philip's ministry soared to new heights. Though he was not a professional, Philip wasn't one of the apostles, he was still a witness. He was still empowered by God, and he faithfully served God, and Philip was led by the Spirit. And God used him to share the good news of Jesus with the hated Samaritans. Right? He brought large numbers of them into the community of believers. God used Philip to bring in some of them into the community of believers. Philip was truly a man that was led by the Spirit. And in this passage we're going to look at today, we're going to look at what are some of those markers, what are some of the reference markers along the road that we should be looking at if we are somebody who is led by the Spirit. So if you go ahead and open up your Bibles, chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. And we're going to read a little bit, talk a little bit, read a little bit more, talk a little bit. But I'm going to read right now, beginning in verse 26, I'm going to read through verse 30. Scripture says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? See, Philip, before this point, we see that Philip was, was sharing with thousands and thousands of Samari- Samaritans in Samaria. He was in a bustling city, and now the Spirit was leading him to go to the middle of the desert. He's to leave this place where there was a great awakening. There was, I would say, a revival, but they didn't know Jesus in the first place. And now they were all coming to know Jesus. Many thousands of people were coming to faith in Christ. And God was moving in those large cities in the north. And now the Spirit comes to Philip and says, hey, you're going to leave these places. You're going to go to a desert, like literally a desert, a place where there is nobody. And if we look at this first map, you'll see um, the top part of that arrow, uh, Samaria. He's coming down. The horizontal arrow is the road that he was called to. So Philip is leaving this bustling town in the north. He's headed to a trade route, not a town, not a city, Simply a road. This would be very similar to you having a ministry here in Los Angeles where people are coming to faith in Jesus and you are sharing the good news with thousands, like literally millions of people. And Jesus comes to you and says, hey, this is great. Now I want you to go to the 10. You're like, the 10? Like, I don't know where Pastor Tim is, but there's nothing on the 10, nothing in Arizona, nothing in New Mexico, nothing to like Texas. And here God is saying, I want you to just go to the 10. And you say, God, where from there? Where do you want me to go? That's it. That's your destination. Your destination is Route 10. And we see this. And we see by Philip's example that witnesses that are led by the Spirit, they respond to the Spirit. Look at how Philip responds to the Spirit's leading. The Spirit tells him to go to the desert. And Luke tells us that Philip rose and went. Then we see that the Spirit says, go over and join the chariot. 
And I want you to understand this is not some rinky-dinky caravan. This is not some uh, group of poor people. Much like Jesus' caravan when he was leaving Jerusalem where we had a whole bunch of families that were coming together basically for security. That's not what we have here. Here we actually have an official. He was a royal government official. He was senior ranking. And when you think of this caravan, think of like Prince Ali in Aladdin, right? Think of that caravan. I said this and the, the, the worship team started singing. But think of Prince Ali arrival in Aladdin. Some people, some of the scholars estimated there's probably about 100 people that were in this caravan with this eunuch as he traveled. This man, this eunuch, he was the equivalent of the Secretary of Treasury for the Ethiopian kingdom. This kingdom was along the Nile River and it covered parts of southern Egypt and northern Sudan. It's often referred to the Nubian region today, but it goes from southern Egypt all the way down just south of Khartoum in Sudan. And the Spirit leads Philip not just to go to the caravan, but to go to the chariot. He tells Philip, go to the chariot, the one with the VIP in it. Go to the the main one. And I don't know about you, but it's about this time that I start asking questions. Like, is there somebody else I can go share with? Is there... Um, somebody with less people around him, maybe somebody that's less important. Maybe there's somebody in a less populated area of Highway 10 that I can go share with. But Philip doesn't do that. Scripture tells us that Philip ran to him, that Philip ran. The Spirit said, go there, and Philip ran. And when he gets there, he finds out that God has someone specific that he is to witness to. God has a plan of somebody that Philip is to be the witness to. And the Spirit had led Philip to leave an exciting city, a growing congregation to a desert road. And he led Philip to a congregation of one. And Philip obeyed. This is what we like to call in the military, we say this is instant obedience to orders. But that's not just a military term. It's not just a prayer that many parents pray for their kids. It is so much more than that. It is a sign of a witness of Jesus. When we are being led by the Spirit, we obey the Spirit. Here's the problem. If we're constantly questioning, ignoring, or worse yet, telling the Spirit no, you're not being led by the Spirit. We're not in walk with Jesus. We're not walking with the Spirit. If every time the Spirit tells us to do something, we act like a a spoiled kid and we plug our ears, we just ignore it, we have selective hearing, or we say no. If you're doing that, you're not being led by the Spirit. As witnesses of Jesus who are led by the Spirit, we are to be responsive to His leading. And sometimes we see that He leads us through difficulties. We see in this passage just in Jerusalem, and the, the persecution that's happening in Jerusalem caused many of the, the leaders, the church leaders, to leave and disperse. Sometimes we get it through an inner voice. And here we hear that Philip said, go join the chariot. Sometimes, maybe even, we might hear angels, and here it's, Uh, Philip heard an angel telling him to go south to the road. Maybe you hear it in your spouse's voice. I have a good friend of mine, and he always says, it is so scary to me how much the Holy Spirit sounds like my wife. And so maybe that's how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. But honestly, how do we verify? How do we make sure that that what we're hearing, that what we're feeling is the Spirit's leading? How do we make sure to know if it's really from God? And there's just three things to do. Search the Scriptures. right? Look at the Scriptures. Is what what you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you, is it in line with Scriptures? It won't contradict. 
If, if it's from the Spirit, it won't contradict. Do we persist in prayer? Do we keep praying? Do we keep seeking God's heart and, and God's will? And in our quiet time, we're not just reading the Scriptures, but we're taking time out to pray and to com- have communication with our Lord. And finally, confirm with your community of believers. That's why it's so important to be into a community group. Be with other believers and share your heart with them and allow them to pray with you. However, when the Spirit leads, just like Philip, we are to respond with humble submission to the the Spirit's leading. And when we see this event, when we see this passage unfold, when we look at it from above, we see the sovereignty of God working in the eunuch's heart. While he is reading the scroll of Isaiah, he's traveling home on a desert road. This is a seven, eight hundred mile trip one way. And in the middle of this road, he encounters a spirit sent witness named Philip. And it is this man, it is this Philip who leads him, leads the eunuch to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But from the surface, we also see the role of human obedience. Would the eunuch have been saved even if Philip had disobeyed? That question is really, it's irrelevant. We can theologically debate ourselves out of useful responsiveness all the time. It's often referred to paralyzation by analyzation. We're just not going to do anything. We're just going to sit and fight over and just see, um, fight with our friends about, hey, I read this passage or I read this passage. We try to contradict it and we end up not doing anything. And we say, oh, God knows what I'm going to do or what I'm not going to do. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. God knew exactly what you were going to do the moment he formed you in your mother's womb. And he knows if you're going to be obedient. He knows if you're not going to be obedient. But here's what I also know. Is that God, for some reason, chose to use human obedience to carry out his plan. To carry out his mission. And we see this throughout scripture. We see it with Noah, we see it with Abraham, we see it with David, we see it with the the prophets, we see it with all of the apostles in the New Testament. And I know when I stand before God, I want to be one that was obeying the leading of the Spirit. I want to respond in a way that is in line with God's mission every time. And I know that responding to God's mission does not involve me sitting around doing nothing. I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that there are all kinds of chance meetings ready to take place in a life that is sensitive and obedient to the leading of the Spirit. Divine appointments await us all over the place if we are obedient to the Spirit's leading. That was Philip's experience, and it can also be our experience. Make yourself available. Be obedient so that everyone, everywhere knows the name of Jesus. That everyone, everywhere knows the name of Jesus. If we respond to the Spirit's leading, we can be sure that God will go before us. And he will open the way for our witness. He will shape hearts and form hearts and have people ready to hear the good news of Jesus. Philip was so responsive to being led by the Spirit that what followed his obedience came naturally. If we continue reading, I'm going to read verse 30 again. I'm going to read through 35. Verse 30 says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his, in his humiliation, justice was denied him, 
Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scriptures, he told them the good news about Jesus. And we see in this passage, Jesus, Philip shows us that witnesses that are led by the Spirit, they tell others about Jesus. The, opening, the, the Ethiopian man had just completed a religious pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and he had the searching heart. Apparently, sometime long before this trip, sometime when he was at home, he became a God-fearer. And he was on his way or on his way home from Jerusalem from worshiping. But his heart was still not satisfied. His heart was still searching for the Savior. And as he was returning home, he was reading Isaiah 53 out loud, which was a common practice that day of students as they were reading the scriptures. And as he was reading, Philip heard him. And all Philip did was ask him a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? The guy basically says, no. Not really sure what I'm reading. Who are these scriptures talking about? And look at this last line. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. And when we look at Isaiah 53, there is no better place in the Old Testament to talk about Jesus, to preach about Jesus than Isaiah 53. Sometimes Isaiah 53 is referred to as the fifth gospel because of its predictions and its story about Jesus. We see in Isaiah 53, it talks about the the life of Jesus, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. We also see that in 50, Isaiah 53, it talks about his substitutionary death. In verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And if you go on throughout 53, at the end, it talks about the victorious resurrection of the Savior. In verse 11 and 12, it says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their inequities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. But I want you to look at this. This is something that was really interesting. I was studying this week, this week is that as Philip was talking about Jesus and the victorious resurrection and how his death gives us life because of his death and resurrection, we have eternal life. We have life and we are filled with hope and joy and filled with peace. And it's because of his blood that we can call the God of creation, Abba, Father. That we could cry out to him at any time and say, Abba, Father. Because of Jesus' blood, we are with him and we are his. We are his sons and daughters. And I could just imagine the the Ethiopian as he was hearing hearing Philip talk say, oh, that's good. 
Sure, that's, that's for you Israelites. That's for you people that are of God. That's for you that are the chosen race. That's for you, but that's not me. I am familiar with the laws of Moses. I am familiar that no foreigner shall eat of the Passover. In Deuteronomy, I'm familiar with what Moses said, that no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall ever enter the assembly of God. And Philip says, oh yeah? Let's keep reading Isaiah. And as he's talking and sharing with this Ethiopian about Jesus, he just gets a couple couple paragraphs. He goes from Isaiah 53 to Isaiah 56, and he continues. And it says this, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons or daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And can you imagine the Ethiopian's heart as he listened to Philip read directly from the scriptures, as he read what it meant for Jesus to die on the cross, what it meant for him to be reconciled. He could now be part of the family. He can now call the God of creation, Abba, Father. And it was at that moment that he believed on Jesus Christ and he put his faith in Jesus and he was born again and he was given new life simply by Philip reading the scriptures to him. This foreigner, this Ethiopian eunuch need not fear God's rejection any longer. Now because of Jesus, he had hope. The eunuch that was gripped by the gospel, he receives the same eternal life that we do. He can still sit at the feet of God and call him Abba, Father. The victory that is prophesied in 53 spreads out beyond the remnant of Israel. It spreads to a great multitude that no one could count. This is not what I think. This is what Scripture tells us. It spreads to so many people that we can't even count the name. These people are going to be counted as righteous through faith by God's grace. And chances are you will not have the opportunity to share the grace of Jesus with a eunuch. And some of you are like, dang, I just marked that passage. I had the perfect way to lead a eunuch to Jesus. Philip gave me the perfect example. However, right, still in Isaiah, chances are high very high in this world. I was just talking with some ladies this morning that we can share the hope of Jesus with somebody who is fighting fear. In Isaiah 41.10, you can see it up on the screen. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Share this truth with them. Take them here in Scripture that God is with us and he is for us and he will strengthen us. He will help us and uphold us. You can always find hope with Jesus. Maybe you can share the grace of God with somebody who needs forgiveness. You can see in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And you can share this truth with people. We don't have to stay stuck in our past mistakes. God promises us that he is doing something new in us. That he will bring us to a a new place and a place of healing and a place of restoration. That you can find forgiveness in him. That he will take your transgressions and move them as far as the east is from the west. That there is grace with Jesus. Or maybe you can share the peace with Jesus with somebody who is anxious. Somebody who is going through the world today and is anxious about everything. You can take him to Isaiah 54.10. And you can share this truth with them. 
that God promises us that no matter what happens in this world, his love over us will not be shaken. His covenant of peace will never be removed. God is powerful and he holds us steady and secure in his hands. We know from the promises of Scripture that we can find peace with Jesus. And we have to know the Scripture so we can share Jesus when the Spirit leads us. There's two resources that I have found extremely helpful to help uh, uh, see Jesus in all the Scriptures. And one of them is called the Gospel Transformation Bible. And the whole mission of this Bible I thought was interesting. Their hope, it says this in their introduction, our hope is that as Christians throughout the world learn to see the message of salvation by grace unfolding throughout all of Scripture, that they will respond to God with greater love, faithfulness, and power. And in this Bible, they take all of Scripture and they say, this is where Jesus is in Scripture. Everything from Genesis to Revelation. But if I'm really honest with you, you see this is still kind of creaks when I open it. This book is worn out. Right? This is the kid's Bible, the Jesus storybook Bible. Every story whispers the name of Jesus. And it is a simple kid's storybook Bible that points everything back to Jesus. This one is actually delicate. I would love to tell you that uh, it's my kids did that. But as your pastor, you should know this is one of my primary study Bibles. I go here often and talk about how to communicate the word of God. Two super helpful resources. And meanwhile, the eunuch not only put his faith in Jesus, but he wanted to take the next step of obedience. You can see in verses 36 through 38. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. As a God-fearer, the Ethiopian knew that baptism was the expected expression of faith for a Gentile's um, repentance and conversion. However, like today, baptism was not only an important part of the believer's commitment to Christ, it was an important part of their witness. The baptism was an expression of faith that I am on Team Jesus, that I am a part of Team Jesus, that I believe in Team Jesus. And have you responded to the Spirit and taken the first steps of obedience? Have you been baptized? Have you made a public profession of your faith? Have you been a witness for the gospel of Jesus? If not, why not? If you want to take this next step in your walk with Jesus, let me know. We will even heat up the water for you. But we would love to sit down and talk about your obedience. Talk about your walk with Jesus. Look at your being led by the Spirit indicators. And as we continue in the story, in verse 39, it says, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Like the Ethiopian who went on his way rejoicing, you too can come up out of the water, and we will joyfully celebrate your public witness to the gospel. But as we continue reading, we see that witnesses led by the Spirit not only respond to the Spirit, not only do these witnesses tell others about Jesus, But witnesses led by the Spirit love people. They simply just love people. And we go to verse 40. It says, But Philip found himself in Azatos, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And this is significant because if we keep reading through Acts, if we go to the end of Acts, we get to Acts chapter 21. Luke writes this. 
On the next day, we, he's talking about him and Paul, departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and they stayed with him. Twenty years have now passed, and Paul and Luke can still find rest and restoration at Philip's house. Philip the deacon was still being led by the Spirit. He was still loving people. We see that Philip loved people and individuals, those of different ethnicities, those of different social status, even those of different religions. Someone who is led by the Spirit loves people and readily reaches out beyond themselves and reaches across any barriers to love people. In Acts 21, we see that not only did Philip love God's people in Acts 21, but we see in Acts 6 that Philip loved the forgotten widows. We see in Acts 8 that Philip loved the despised Samaritans. And we see here in this passage at the end of chapter 8 that Philip loved stranger from Ethiopia. A man that was a completely different uh, part of life than him, completely different person. He was a stranger in all aspects of the word, yet Philip loved him. If Philip had not loved people with Christ's love, he would never have reached across the barriers between Samaritans and Jews. It was the same with the Gentile Ethiopian. Philip loved Jews and Samaritans. He loved Gentiles and whites and blacks. It made no difference to him. Being led by the Spirit, Philip simply loved people. And you know who these people are. I am so grateful that I can stand up here and we can point to so many people in this church that are continually reaching beyond themselves to cross every barrier simply to love people. You guys know Joe Brown? We have never had a guest come on a Sunday morning when Joe is here and not had a friendly hello or been invited to lunch. Joe just loves hanging out with people. She's not even looking, but she's going to be embarrassed. We got Patty Eddie, right? Patty Eddie, somebody who loves people. I remember one Sunday, I just, she's always out there greeting people. So one time I just gave her a name tag and said, hey, you're a greeter. You're out here loving on people. You're the friendliest face out here. Start greeting people. And she's like, oh, okay, because I love people. And she was out there every day. We have Edith Pendleton, who runs all over Los Angeles, taking flowers from her own garden to people just so they know that they're loved. We have Sandy McNutt, who has an endless supply of birthday cards and strawberries and sees chocolate. And she is constantly taking those to people to make sure that they know that they are loved. We have Linda Olson. There has not been a child to come through this church in the past 20 years that ever questioned if they, questioned if they were loved by Linda Olson. So how are you loving people? Are you loving people in such a way consistent with the Spirit's leading? Jesus, Jesus told us what that leading was. Jesus said this, A new commandment that I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Are you loving people as Jesus loved you? A disciple of Jesus, a witness for the gospel, loves God and he lives like Jesus. Are you loving others like Jesus loved you? When you look at the road that you are traveling, do you see the signs that you are being led by the Spirit? Do you look at those signs and say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a witness that is being led by the Spirit because you are constantly responding to the Spirit. You're telling others about Jesus that you're loving people, you're loving all people, just as Jesus loved you. Church, this is one thing that we do know when we look at Scripture, that all witnesses that are used by God, all witnesses that are used by God for His mission are led by the Spirit. 
You need to today to, to check your guidance system, check your reference marks, look around and ensure that today the Spirit is leading you. Lord, we just come before you with just humbled hearts, Lord, and we would ask that today that each of us would be filled by the Spirit, that we would be full of the gospel, that we would be full of your love for people, that we would love all people, that we would love all sinners who are in need of a Savior. And may each of us be led by your Spirit today and in the days to come. Please give us the courage to share the hope found in your Son with the one that you have, that you have placed into our path this week. Thank you for you allowing us to be on mission with you and for using us as your witnesses to reach others. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name of Jesus that we ask all of these things. Amen. Amen, church. It was good to be with you this morning. It was good to worship with you this morning online. Uh, We love you and we will see you next week. Thank you, Calvary. Bye.